What are you doing? I'm trying to get my thing set up. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to record okay. here, record on the computer. And we're rolling, baby. Sorry, it took so long. Let's do it. That's all right, bro. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Derek. Derek, how long has it been? It's been a, a month. It's been it's been a minute, man. Multiple you, uh, weeks. You were busy, and then and then last week was my fault. I canceled on you by, at the last minute. So I apologize for that. I know everybody out there, Doug mostly, is just like, where the hell is the next episode, guys? <laughs> I, I uh, actually messaged Doug the other day, and I was like, Doug, I'm sorry. I know, you, I know you're patiently waiting with your RSS feed, refreshing constantly, but uh, here we are. We're back. For all of you who haven't unsubscribed, we're back. <laughs> uh, they might have just forgotten about us right, at this point. But anyway, you know what? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, what else? Derek. You know what's coming up on Tuesday? What is coming up on Tuesday? Mardi Gras, man. Ooh. Mardi Gras is Tuesday. Tuesday. We forgot about it because now, you know, we, we, it's just another day for us now. We're all normal and stuff. Uh, but I did manage, Derek, to find a Gambino's King Cake Ooh, Gambino. at Kroger up here, man. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned trying to get a, uh, a Dongfang King Cake. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and um, I went online, and it was very expensive. And then I hesitated, as I always do, because it's so damn expensive. And yeah. the minute I decided to get it, Derek, they were sold out. <laughs> oh, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. <laughs> oh, it's my, just next time, next year. Uh, I need to just listen back to this episode. Jeremy, a year from now, get the damn king cake. Just buy it. It's expensive. Shut up and buy it. And uh, I'm going to get it. But anyway, didn't get to do it. Well, whatever so. you do next year... When you get it, make sure you, you uh, save a sliver for me, put it in the freezer, wait six <laughs> months, it. and then eat it. Because that's what, uh, that, that'll, that'll really show me. Um, <laughs> I deserve it. All right, it. I will do that. I'll do that. Um, I'll be my, I'll be like, Derek, gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so uh, how about you, man? How's, how's life over in the Seabird house? Oh, so much stuff is happening. But the most yeah. important thing mm-hmm. is I got my hands on a little something. Got my hands on the out. new Harry Potter video game. Ooh, okay. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's called Hogwarts Legacy. Very controversial, okay. right? Because controversial. Got... How could that possibly be? Because of because uh, <laughs> of the author. She's the all author like is yeah. So? She's okay. uh, she's um, she's a bully, as they say. Mm. Um, so uh, I just I wanted to fly on the broomstick. <laughs> So I wanted to get the game so I could play on the broomstick. <laughs> so um, what kind of game is it? Is it a... It's an open world game. I've been okay, playing it for right. a little while. Uh, pretty standard open world stuff, but but the the combat and it's really good. You get you get a little wand and you shoot your you know you shoot magic mm. stuff out of it. You get your protection spells, experiamos, okay. and all that mm. kind of stuff. So yeah. it's nice, and uh, but I feel a little guilty when I play it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel every time I turn it on, I'm like. You know what? I feel guilty. Interesting thing, the first time you go to the little town of Hogsmeade, which is the little town uh, adjacent to Hogwarts, you okay. go into Hogsmeade and you, you you come across some bad guys and you go into a, um, you have to escape and you have to get away and you go into a bar and inside the bar, there is a lady, mm-hmm. but she has a very deep voice. Okay. Lady... I believe is intended to be transgender, something that 
Uh, Do you think the, the creators think of the game the creators did that to of the stick game it to the, stuck it to <laughs> what's her? What's her I face? Mean, yeah, J.K. Uh, Rowling. I almost said J.R.R. Tolkien. That's yeah, that's not J.K. J.R. Yeah. Very confusing. Yeah. Why do all these authors have uh, all the initials? Like George R. R. Martin. Why do they have so many double? I think one guy started initials? it, and then the rest were like, <laughs> "Well, I guess that's what we're gonna do." That's why all serial okay, so, killers have three names. <laughs> I have a question. Um, you mentioned, I know everybody I think knows Hogwarts from just watching all the movies. I had never heard of Hogsmeade before. That makes me think about the ent- the etymology of the, the hog, the term hog in Hogwarts, Hogmead. Is there this hog something that means something? What is, what is, what's the deal with that? It means magic. I don't know. It's, oh. uh, it's, uh, I think it's, it's just all these little farms. There are probably, uh, farms, hog farms, things like that. And once the okay. magic came around, uh, they must have, I don't know why the hog, hog had warts and why they decided yeah, to name it right. Hogwarts, but maybe I'll find <laughs> out in the game. Cause it's, it's set in like ninth, early 1900s. So it's not set uh, in Harry Potter time. Pre-Potter. It's pre-Pot. So, pre-Pot. uh, Got it. but it's okay. pretty cool. I haven't been, I haven't flown on a broom yet, but, um, do you fun. find out that you were actually playing Harry Potter's grandpa? Is that, I don't. Is that I not, don't know. I don't, don't think know so. We'll find out. I don't think so. But my I, guess is he is somehow related to the Potter clan. It's possible. It's Potterable. But the um, <laughs> but the whole gimmick of the game is that you wield and you can see and wield an ancient magic, and you know it's ancient because it glows and it's blue. I mean, wouldn't all isn't all that magic ancient though? I mean, is there new magic? Like, I, is there what, that's just what I was thinking too. Magic, like last week, how ancient is ancient? But this ancient yeah. magic is like whoa! Like it's like you <laughs> use it and like stuff just explodes. It's great. Um, okay. You can make it rain or, or all this stuff. It's great. Um, but anyway, yeah. feeling guilty but having a great time. You know, you you say some ancient thing remind me of something the other day, uh, Derek. I, I got back on Twitter. Did I tell you about this? Oh no, I don't think I did. Uh, so LinkedIn suspended my account. Um, oh no, for some reason it said. I was doing something and all the help docs implied that I was using bots to automate crap, which I'm not. And I, I don't understand. Anyway, it doesn't matter why they, they kicked me off. The fact is that they did. So I said, well, if I get kicked off that, I won't have any way to <laughs> go on social media. So uh, I, I created a Twitter account. Anyway, long story short, um, somebody posted something. online. Apparently, there's new Mardi Gras parades or uh, Mardi Gras crews down in New Orleans. It ended up like following a bunch of people in New Orleans, obviously. And uh, someone said something interesting. You know, everybody's complaining about all this new Mardi Gras stuff down in New Orleans and how it's not, you know, tradition or whatever. But if you think about it, like Endymion and those bigger parades only started in the 60s. It was only 50 years ago or or I guess 60 years ago now. Right. But, uh, you know. Everybody thinks Endymion's been around for hundreds of years or whatever, but even Mardi Gras only been around for like a hundred something years. So it's just kind of funny, um, you know, relative. You mentioned ancient magic in this, and I'm just thinking it's all relative. Yeah, all, tradition is tradition you know, is just from one point to another point. So, yeah, I hear you, man. How ancient is the ancient? That's the question. All right, Derek. So, um, what are we talking about today? <laughs> well, speaking of ancient, I'm gonna I want to talk to you today about something that's been happening with my team, uh, going okay. back in the history. The annals of the annals, the annals of the uh, of the team, and trying to decide where things originated from, why the team does what it does, why the mm. system ended up being so complex, the mm-hmm. ancient history. So, um, I kind of want to talk to you about what we did and where we got to, and how hard it is still going to be. <laughs> 
for the team. Yes. Uh, it's right. interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Let's talk about All it. All right. So why did we have to do this and go deep into the ancient history of the system? Well, for many years, the system comprised of multiple different modules would just break and then there was a team that would restart pieces of it. Okay. And for a while, that was making everybody happy. The restarts were making everybody happy because the system would come online again. And then the next day would come by and they'd have to restart it again. Maybe some would take a week and you'd have to restart them. You know, I'm curious. Yeah, hit me. I've never understood this. Why does restarting stuff just tend to fix things? <laughs> like, it's all, I mean, there's no physical parts in a, in a piece of software to just break over time. How does a piece of software just break? Break. Like, I've yeah. never understood that. Yeah. How does that happen? So there's what happens? No, there's no and physical, why does restarting it fix it? There's no physical stuff in a piece of software that breaks, there's, but there's logical stuff. So okay. if I say you can only have 10 database connections, mm-hmm. and each of your database calls call, uh, spend, you spent three minutes in the database, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to run out of database connections if I try to do 11 of them in a, okay. at the same time. And so resource contention ends up being the biggest issue, so running out of resources. Is that why turning things off and on again tends to work? It works it because you, you basically the flush okay. the resources and see, they start from scratch. But then over time, they build up, they build up. So whenever you see restarts in a system, the immediate symptom is you're running out of resources, but it's happening mm. over time. Or you're in if it's, if it's intermittent and it's not like you can't detect when it's happening, you're you're racing to an answer with another service, and sometimes you're winning, and sometimes they're winning, uh, and so it's called a race. You condition. just explained. You explained that better than ChatGPT could. I I'd say it. you know <laughs> that's what I actually got the answer from ChatGPT just now. <laughs> it's feeding in my ear. Um, the team started to realize that they had to restart services multiple times per day. And sometimes the restarts wouldn't even fix the issue. It would immediately start failing again. And so the big dogs, okay, the big dogs, I call us the pups. The big dogs decided it's finally a problem. <laughs> and because yeah. they were getting pressure from their leadership. That reminds me a little bit of something that I learned about recently called mm-hmm. the Great Stink of London. The Great Stink. Okay. Yeah. Sounds bad. Let me tell you about it. It isn't, it isn't great. Please do. So <laughs> in, you don't call something the Great Stink if it, if it was good. I want to say it was the 1600s, but uh, ChatGPT okay. would know better. Um, <laughs> we'll ask. We'll put it in the show. Uh, so in the olden days in London, um, the sewage systems weren't advanced. They obviously didn't, you know. They didn't have running Just water. Pipes. <laughs> so it, everything went into the, the river uh, that Ooh, you know, runs, runs through um, London. Um, the Thames. The Thames, yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, believe it or not, it may have been Paris. Forget it. The, the story is important anyway. It's called The Great Stink. Just listen Great to the story. Stink. I'm listening. Um, Got it. Eventually what happened was uh, the smell was so bad when the the tide would would go out and the river would get low and you could smell because the the waste never went out to the sure, ocean yeah. um that's gross it's disgusting and so because the uh because the smell only affected the people in town 
the people who lived in the castle or whatever, like far mm. away, they didn't care. Yeah, it was only when they started getting sick that they yeah. made any changes. And it took like years. And when, that's when they built the piping and the, and the tunneling system that's there today. Because oh, the wow. engineer was forward thinking and said, you know, London uh, yeah. will ha- will grow over time. So we want to build it double the size that it actually should be. Very smart architectural ah, thinking. Very smart, yeah. So um, they fixed the issue. No more stink. So that's kind of what happened in our system. We had a, a, a great stink moment where leadership started started realizing how bad things were. So we banded together as a small team and started working on it. Initially, it was a small group, and we got together and we investigated the try to figure out the root causes. But the system's complex. We saw errors. We saw other things that indicated what could be happening, um, and we started diving in. But the thing about the thing that's interesting is uh, some of the reasons why the 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 thing became complex over time. Uh, we'll explain why this is hard. So. Eventually, as a corporate organization does, they decided to use a three-letter acronym, you know, <laughs> process in order to address this issue. They, they did something called a PSR. It's a lean process that's supposed oh, yeah. to push out bottlenecks and waste in a system. What does it stand for? Do you remember? Do you remember? Um, pretty silly rhymes. I think it's problem... Solving resolution, solving review, or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah something yeah, like it's pretty that. silly. So, well, there's pretty silly rhymes in it too. Um, <laughs> so, in the PSR, a, a big team gets together and they try to decide using the five whys technique and a fishbone mm-hmm. diagram and all kinds of stuff. Try to figure out what's going on. Team got together. Initially, it was very hard because there's not one cause; it's multiple possible causes, and the causes span multiple years. So in the first big in-person session we had, we sat down and we said, the system is overly complex. Why? And the answers people gave were, it's because we were always valuing speed over quality. Mm. And it says, and then why? That was the next Mm. question. Why? It says, because deadlines and pressure were always more valuable Mm. than to the leadership than quality of the software. And I could feel the leadership in the room being like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say the truth. They were squirming in their seats. Oh, not good. What happened that was interesting was that wasn't the only thing that was the problem. We actually were patient with the process and asked more questions. And there were a lot of people who were like, this isn't going to help us solve the problem. We already had, we already talked about this. This won't help us solve the problem. I was like, hang on. Because this is the problem. I was right, standing right, up at right. the board, drawing on the whiteboard. Like you could just, I was, I was going, I was full, full, uh, full I'm curious, the, the, the people who were saying, well, this won't solve the problem. Were those the executives or were yeah. those the Well, they, they weren't, they weren't trying to be malicious. They were just like, they're. Um, no, right. I know. But yeah. I, but those, it wasn't like the people doing the no, work. No, it wasn't the people doing the yeah, work. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. Um, right, right. They realized, they've been through it. They know what's going on. Uh, so when. When it came to the point of what were the other things, because it wasn't just one, it's like a tree structure. Like it started with the complexity and then one problem was speed over quality. And another problem was interesting, was there were many architectural decisions that were abandoned hmm. and strategies and techniques that were half implemented 
and then abandoned. And you know what I say, Jeremy? I say, half fixed, twice as broken. Oh, boy. And that's essentially what's been happening over the years on this product, is that they would Mm -hmm. half fix things through like maybe half of the modules, and they would leave the others the way they were. And so you had this chimera of (sighs) different versions of things and all this stuff. And there's so many, there were over 50 services involved, over 50 modules of the system. It became overwhelming. Right. To, to even get your hands around. And the why, the why, as we started to ask why, 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 one of the people on the team said something. She said, you know, I, we used to get emails or messages from the leadership saying a day is a week, a week is a month. So you got to move fast. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, no way. I hope way. those people aren't still there. <laughs> those people still around. That, they, that particular person runs the whole organization oh, still to this good. day. And right. so, well, so I was like, all right, well, if that's still ingrained in them, maybe they've changed over time. But maybe that's a part of the way they see software. Mm-hmm. And it's just ingrained in them. So what I kind of I wanted to talk to you about was if you learn that stuff, is it? Is your only goal to change the mind of the leaders of the organization? Because, you know, I thought more about it after that session. And then I was like, why, why did he say that? Right. What was their motivation? Yeah. And I think he said that because he came from the, uh, what they call the business side, which everybody's part of the business, which is ridiculous. Why do we call it the business? I'm the business too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Same business. Um, Am I not part of the business? <laughs> yeah. I, I heard a, a ThoughtWorks podcast where a guy pointed that out and I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. so true. So I know, right. yeah, the stupid. guy, so uh, he came from that side. So that is the mindset of, you know, the people who are demanding things of us. Mm-hmm. And so when you put someone in a position to defend that idea and they have the exact same idea that, you know, uh, build it fast, don't worry about quality, qualities for things you can touch, not software, you know, that kind of Qualities for knuckleheads, Derek. Yeah, qualities for idiots that want to waste time. <laughs> um, but th- I had to explain things to the team like it costs less to put quality right. in early than to deal yeah. with the, you know, all this stuff that we, we've talked about a million times on this podcast. Right. I was just going to say, I mean, this sounds so much like some of the conversations we've had about MVP and building a foundation on toothpicks versus, you know, a skyscraper <laughs> on toothpicks versus a skyscraper out of cement, right? Yeah. And funny you mentioned yeah. MVP. That was one of the whys. It said we built everything from an MVP. Oh, and yeah, we built... but not an MVP, though. They no. built it from an MP, a yeah. minimum pirate. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, bi- they built something that kind of worked. And then they, it, mm-hmm. they, it, they incrementally added to it. Like they added, yeah. they patched on to that. Right, so, right, right. so I was thinking, it seems like the only thing that you have control over is the influence yourself, of course, mm-hmm. and the influence you have over the people who are kind of like, you know, yeah. in charge of the product. Right. So I, you know, I wanted to get your thought. Who who do you influence at this point once you realize all these things to try to make sure make some real change happen? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. We are on our team right now. We're we're you know as architects, right? Our job really is to help build and architect the system. The experienced architects. It's to help 
architect that system for the users at, at like the macro level, a very high level. And it's very different from how a lot of our current teams are used to operating because generally speaking, that the UX team is never involved there, that high up, that far in advance. And it's all, someone hands us a list of requirements. They decided it was going to end up in a product and those product teams are siloed and they never talk and nothing connects. And so you end up with a hundred different applications that all do different things. And you got someone hopping back and forth between all these applications, right? Yeah. So our, our job now as architects is to try to figure out how do we put all those things together? Um, and how do we architect that system from the from the uh, experience of the user, right, or or the you know customer, user, internal, or, or external, whatever? Um, and one of the things that we've started to do is actually create a stakeholder map mm. to figure out like who we have to influence, oh. because Ooh. these teams in enterprise are. It's not just one person, generally yeah, bro. speaking. Yeah, bro. It's, it could be teams of people. It could be multiple people on a committee that make a decision. could be one person. could be, you know, influencing the person who has the ear of somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's interesting because it's, it's, it's really hard to, te- it's hard to say. And I think that that stakeholder map is a good place to start. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. understanding, you know, and what we started there kind of color coded. So that's a technical person. It's a product person. It's this, this. So we can kind of quickly look at it and see. And what we're realizing, like, as we put these together, is they're getting pretty complex. Even something where you think it wouldn't be complex ends up having a ton of people Interesting. that you need to influence, you know. So that's, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. But uh, ha- that, that would be a place to start, that, that uh, stakeholder map. Well, I'll tell you what, that's really fascinating, by the way, and I hope everybody listening um, takes heed, and I'm sure uh, we would love to talk to you more about this. Send us an email, you know, if you want to learn more about a stakeholder map or, uh, you know, anything <laughs> anything like that. Please send us an email, please. Find, We're lonely. Find us on Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah, find <laughs> no, us on I'm Twitter. Yeah, not on LinkedIn anymore. Uh, not on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> I got back. I got back on LinkedIn. Oh, good, good. Just shadow ban. That's right. So, you know, what's interesting, though, about with all the stakeholder map, and, and the stakeholders in general is, you know, there comes a time to plan before you do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in your case, you did a lot of doing before anybody planned. And so you ended up years from later, you know, you didn't have that, that architect building the double capacity right. sewage system <laughs> so that exactly. it could expand over time. Uh, but, you know, you have to have someone plan that. You can't just say, I'm going to double. I'm sure at that point, somebody... That guy, whatever the architect was, had to convince somebody yes. to pay for twice as much stuff because it wasn't needed today. Well, we don't need it. Well, you know. Uh, so, you know, similar kind of thing now. So, you know, our, uh, what we like to do, right? We like to action. We like to build stuff. Um, but you could go out and you could build stuff. But if you can't convince the people in charge to go along with it, you've wasted everybody's time. So, you know, that, that stakeholder piece and understanding who the stakeholders are and figuring out how to influence them. What do they care about? You know, in the case of this guy, right, um, let's say, I don't know, five years ago, whenever they started building this system, he had nobody trying to influence him, right? Or maybe not. Maybe he did. I don't know. But someone heard him say, a month is a day, a week is a, a epoch, whatever the hell he said. <laughs> and, you know, no one convinced him that, yes, it will make us faster today. Yeah. But when we need to go fix this a year from now, it'll slow us down tenfold. Do you want to speed up now and have this done tomorrow so that we'll take 10 times longer in a year? Or do you want to take this a little bit too, twice as long now so we're faster in a year? You know, and you have to understand his motivations. 
Why is he saying that? Who told him that? Does he is something is something relying on that decision to have this thing released? Is there somebody above you that's pushing for this for some reason? What is their, you know, incentive? And mm-hmm. what is your incentive? And can we incentivize you in a different way, perhaps? You know? Um, yeah. And that's why those stakeholder maps are really important. It's, it's not just figuring out who the people are, but also what do they care about? What do they want? What do they need? What are their problems? How do you fix those? That's a, a really interesting idea. I'm actually going to take that exact idea to uh, my team Say it was all mine, not give you any credit. Of course, <laughs> unless I do they that. listen, which they probably don't. No, no. So, um, I, you know, it made me think of something while you were saying stakeholder map. I think one of the other problems our organizations had over the years is uh, decision making. So it is clear, it is clearer to look at the org chart and see who reports to who, and who's mm-hmm. in. You know, you could probably gather who's involved in a specific area product. But who makes the decisions about yeah, specific right, right, right. things is really, really tough because yeah. um, a lot well, of things are consensus-based. You know, what's interesting in our organization, right, we've got hundreds, maybe thousands of people. And often when I look at an org chart, I see the dot, the, the solid line. So-and-so's direct manager is this person and this person's peers are these people. But often... It's not exactly that cut and dry because you've got dotted connections everywhere where someone, his manager or their manager might be this person, but they actually report to somebody else in a completely different team. But you don't see that in a work chart and you don't see that cross-functional team yeah. because they're all reporting to different people. So it's, it's, it's really hard to say when you look at that, which is why we're doing the stakeholder map because there's so many people across so many different teams that don't all report to the same you know, up until maybe even the CIO might be that high up. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and even then the CIO might not even be the CIO because these people are actually quote unquote on the business side that ends sure. up being some, some other C-level person completely. And it doesn't go all the way to the CEO maybe. So, you know, it, this is uh, certainly why this, this idea of a stakeholder map, to be fair, if anyone's listening, <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't have this idea. This is something our team just started to do. Uh, and so I can't take credit for it, but, um, you know, it's, I think it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant way to figure out how to start that conversation at yeah. the very least. You got to start. Where do you have to start, Jeremy? Tell us where you have to start. Uh, the start. Yeah. Would be where start, you start. start. I think there, there's a lot of assumptions about when teams get in a pickle that they're, mm-hmm. they understand a lot more than they do about the pickle and their organization itself. So if you take a step back and kind of just reassess things. That's probably a good start. I'm um, actually we we have a, a a competing not a competing we have a alternate not an alternate. What's the right word, Jeremy? We have another session going on talking about the north star or vision for the product. Mm, okay. And there was an almost contentious meeting today, where someone brought up, hey. We are ha- we have our own opinions of what the product should do. Yeah. But what was the original vision of the product? What what should it do? Who does it serve? And how does it serve them? What functionality, like unique functionality does it offer? And this is not really clear clear anywhere. But then somebody pulled up a PowerPoint from years ago that no one had ever seen with a vision statement <laughs> on it. And then when they said when someone said, I'd never, I've never seen that before, this person who was very high up in the organization said, well, nobody ever asked me for it. Mm-hmm. 
And so there are situations where communication has broken down to such a degree that you start to feel angry Mm -hmm. when someone asks you for something you actually know, (laughs) which is Mm. crazy to me, but it happens. Um, And I think that's just, that's the erosion uh, that can happen when you, when you uh, let communication slide like that. Yeah. I actually posted this to LinkedIn yesterday. Um, But there's uh, this interesting article. It was speaking about it from the UX side, but I think this applies to anybody on a software team about how visions can be great to get a team to rally together to get to achieve a common goal. But it can also have the opposite effect when the vision is not clearly defined, Mm. the vision is not clearly communicated, when some people have different understandings of what they're supposed to be doing. Sometimes the vision is not even possible. You know, like, I mean, if you think back to like GE Digital, where, you know, we used to work before this idea, this, the new industrial internet of things. And they, they had this vision that was impossible for this company to do, but everybody behind it was pushing mm-hmm. to get this done. And that was priorities for the year and blah, blah, blah. And your, your bonuses were tied to it, but it was impossible. Nobody could do it, you know? And so I use that quote about the boat all the time about building a ship and, you know, you don't drum up the men, you don't, you don't find the tools, you don't uh, bark out orders, you, you get them to long for the vast and endless sea, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a wonderful way to rally a team. But if you don't have somebody communicating regularly, (laughs) making sure that you're building the aft, I'm building the starboard side, you're building the engine, I'm building the rudder, you're building the mast, I got the, you know, and we all are building the exact same boat. (laughs) And and we all understand and we come back and we check to make sure that we're on the same page. As as opposed to having people long for the vast and endless sea and you think your best way to get there is a rowboat, I think it's a submarine, someone else says, screw this, I want I want an airship so I can fly over the ocean, you know, I don't, I'm scared of sharks. You, the, all of these people are longing for the vast and endless sea, but they have completely different thoughts about it, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm also reminded too of the Huey P. Long Bridge down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know this bridge. Oh, they fixed it. Bridge. It's fixed. Yeah. But this was, I think, the 40s, right? Sometimes, mm-hmm. some of the 30s or 40s. They built a bridge from two different sides of the river. And when they got in the middle, it didn't line up. <laughs> and for 30, 40 years, the bridge had a quick little one foot. You're like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I'm like, doing it in the camera. You can't mm-hmm. see me. A little whoop. And they just fixed it like maybe five years ago. But, you know, again, this is, they had a vision and nobody was communicating and they didn't communicate until the, until it was too late and it didn't match up. Yeah. And I I think that's something really important to think about. The vision is really important. It's great to get people, but you can't just create a vision, stick it in a box folder or an email and have no one look at it for another five years and say, oh, wait, I think I remember that email from 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah, this is vision. How come we're not doing this vision? You know, of course, that's just never going to, never going to work. And it, it, it was interesting to me, not that a vision was there and that it was shared, but that there was... Um, embarrassment and I could sense a little frustration that both that no one had seen it mm-hmm. but also I could tell that the person that said it felt embarrassed that yeah you know we did have a vision and we don't talk about it you know that kind of thing yeah I mean it's, it is it's a failure right I mean somebody failed at some level 
Mm-hmm. And someone, just, unfortunately, a lot of times though, no one's ever held accountable. You know, it's just sweeping it well, under the rug, whatever. I mean, you know, and not to be, not to say anyone's held accountable in a negative sense, like they're fired yeah. or they they don't lose they they lose their bonus, but held accountable so that it doesn't happen again, and you figure out how to fix it. So I hope I don't know in this case, what was the outcome? Do you feel like it was positive experience? Did, um, did it end I, up working, or do you think I, it's not going to? Yeah, anything? I tried to. I tried to at the end say, you know, we are going to disagree on a lot when it comes to our vision, when it comes to what we uh, intend for this product to do, and how we should go about all this. But the important thing is, in a place we had never gotten before, is we're all together and we're all willing to listen to each other, talk through it. Like, mm-hmm. let's not lose sight of that. That we're here today, now, willing to talk through it, willing to make sacrifices and listen um, and learn from each other. And so I tried to make it like this, like, kumbaya, kind of like, hey, look, <laughs> at least we're here, you know? Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. like... You, I mean, that's a good place to start. Well, like, you get pissed yeah. that, like, oh, why, why does everything suck so much? Why does everything suck so much? In the room with the people that can fix it. Like... Yeah. When we all when we all just need to kind of start it by appreciating that we're all here together, you know. Um, yeah. So I tried to do that. It's the first step. It's the first step, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, can't, yeah. you can't do it without at least getting people to the table. Yeah. And the only the last thing I wanted to share with you is that there is a fear of failure, a fear yeah. that something dr- like dramatic will happen to you if you fail or are wrong, and so. If somebody's wrong, you don't have to be that wrong to be wrong, which is interesting. You know, <laughs> that's true. You, you can just, just be a little wrong, wrong, wrong right? and yeah, still yeah. be wrong. <laughs> so I've corrected people because it was important for the discussion. I'm like, you know, that's that's partially true, uh, but the database actually connects to this one, not this one. And just just for the context of the situation, it's important to know that. And they would defend their wrong statement many times Ugh. or say something it's like ridiculous it's not it's not it's not important which database it connects to all that's important is that it connects to a database <laughs> and to make me feel like i was it's like some yeah gaslighting it's a, it's a, they they, yeah. they there is a tendency sometimes on teams i think that are pathological that are just like you know a gar- like power is the most important thing fiefdoms and all this stuff yeah. to do that kind of stuff um and i've experienced it firsthand and it's the higher 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 you go i find the more you see it mm. um it's only on teams that have had this this uh, power first structure for many years um or power oriented structure but i don't know the process has been fascinating um the discussions <laughs> have been weird and i love it and I'm still at, there. At the at the very least, Eric, it makes for an entertaining podcast episode. Yes, it does. And I think that, that hopefully no one listens this and gets you in trouble. Oh, nobody listens to the podcast, Jeremy. I know that for sure. And if they do, what a wonderful way to find know. out. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. One There's day. a reason I don't say anybody by name or name the product or anything like that. There's a reason That's I don't true. do that. Yeah, yeah we're not going to list out their email and SSO. No. You can find, uh, well, Derek, I, I, I wish you the best. Um, oh, thank you. If you need anyone to walk through a, uh, a stakeholder map template, we actually have one on Miro that you're welcome to use since we work at the same company and you can, you know, you can log in and use it. I love that. All right. All right, well, big Derek, dog. Good luck with all that, man. I, I feel for you. It's, it's rough. It's rough out there.
Yeah. Was that it? We're done? I think we're done, big dog. That was good. We like talked about 30, 45 minutes on that. That's good. It's a good episode. Way to get back in the swing of things, Derek. That's how we do it. All right, everybody out there. Make sure you check us out at RetroTimePodcast.com. Don't forget to get yourself some sticker, RetroTimePodcast.com slash sticker. Leave a five-star review, and we will write you a review jam at some point in the future. It's going <laughs> to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm guaranteed it's going to happen. Um, and, and when we say five-star review, we're talking not just the five-star rating. We're talking a few sentences. Tell the world what you love about it and how handsome Derek and I sound. Because we do sound handsome. We'll show you our faces one day. We'll show Did I mention the stickers? RetroTimePodcast.com <laughs> slash stickers. And uh, RetroTimePod, I'm on Twitter now. You can find me at JMills Pays Bills along with old Mr. Siebert. What's your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter is deactivated. Oh, you did deactivate uh, it. Fully okay. deactivated my Twitter. I tried to find you the other day. And I, I have, uh, I had enough. So here's the thing with Twitter. I have made my own personal um rules around how to interact with Twitter. I am only following local people for like local news and stuff and software and UX people. And that is it. No news, no politics, no, none of that stuff. And anybody that comes at me with any kind of shit that's not related to that, I'm, I'm treating it like LinkedIn, to be honest. Like I'm not there to be all professional by any means, but I'm not going to talk about like, I'm just there for the design and software, totally and interact understand. with other people about shit like that. Nothing of the personal stuff. Cause I just can't do that shit. I wish you the best. But that's my personal rule. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how long it works. I have like 15 followers. That's good. So I'm, good I'm still like, early days. You got to start I, at the start. Uh, honestly don't even really care. I start at the start. I don't even really care that much, to be honest. I'm just, I, I kind of worry because if I get kicked off LinkedIn, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like promote the podcast and shit. That's just, you know, <laughs> well, it is what it is at that point. So uh, that's it. Retro Time Podcast, Retro Time Pod. Come find us. Right on. See you. Take it easy. Good episode. I got the controversial new Harry Potter video game. Oh, oh boy, watch out.